Thank you, Alex and team. Good morning, church family. I'm Pastor Reg, in case I haven't met you yet. I would like to. Well, yesterday was the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks on our country by terrorists. Uh, that elicited a lot of emotions and thoughts yesterday, didn't it? And um, a lot of memories. Christ followers, we always, of course, need to remember that our battle is not against flesh and blood, as Ephesians 6 says, but against the spiritual powers and evil spirits who hold this world in captivity, including those terrorists from other nations. We have the message and the power to set them free from the, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're thinking uh, today. We're thinking about the whole world today. We've been in this series, Sent to All Nations. We're Jesus' people, and so we inherit not only salvation, but a mission to the world, and we're going to talk about that today, which is why I have on this shirt, you might be wondering, maybe you didn't notice, uh, this shirt, you know, I grew up in church, my dad was a pastor, and so I often heard, I, I was in church every Sunday for years and years, and I saw over those years several missionaries wearing shirts like this, or outfits like this, and showing their slideshows with the, you know, it clicked back then, remember those days? And um, some of those outfits and some of those slideshows stuck out to me, and, and, uh, and I still remember those days. And I thought, wow, that's, that's pretty amazing how you go to different places and do the work of the gospel. Huh, missionaries, they're, they're somebody else. That's fascinating. Well, here I am. It's my turn today. I'm wearing this shirt, and this was made by a tailor from some fabric that uh, we picked out in Niger. There's my wife and Agnes when she was just a few months old, and we picked out this fabric this day. A tailor made this shirt for us, and we were on a mission trip about five years ago at that time. The difference today is that I'm not a cross-cultural missionary, what we would call, that has gone out of my culture to a different culture to bring the good news of Jesus there, but I am a missionary. I am a sent one because I'm a Christ follower. I'm a Christian, and so what I am is a pastor now, and my, my role is to carry on the mission of Jesus, but also to lead and to shepherd this church to do the same. And that's why we've had the sermon series sent to all nations. This is my last chance, actually, to, to say everything I have left about Jesus' global mission, uh, because there's only one service left in this series, and that's next week, the chili cook-off. The great and talented Dave Giles will be bringing the message uh, with us next week. It's going to be great. Out in the gym, just one service time. Don't, don't, be, uh, don't miss that critical element. So today, what I want to do today is we're going to look in God's Word today, of course, as we always do, um, and a little bit of review where we've been the last six weeks, but then we're going to get into strategy today, where God has called, is calling this church to have impact in the world with the gospel as a church family. We'll get into a little bit of the why and then a lot of the how and the what. Are we ready for that? Let's hear how God leads us through his word and into his mission. If you don't have your bulletin notes, uh, your sermon, raise your hand. See one up there. Uh, those always help follow along, even if you don't write anything. Uh, to see that and to hold that is helpful. I also want to thank Jay Bell for the great job he did last week. If you were here, he had a conversation with us. And uh, it was a joy to watch that online as our family was out of, out of the States. That looked like a great experience here. 
So the first point you'll see on your sermon notes is that we must become global-minded. All right, here we are sitting in Warsaw, Indiana. Now, I want to expand your minds right now, your hearts, for the rest of our time together. Here we are surrounded by flags. We have a globe up here. We're trying to get your worldview to be like God's worldview. We need to be global-minded. We must become global-minded as Jesus' people. Here's the thing, though. All of us begin in this life with myopia in our worldview. If you don't know what myopia is, if you have glasses, you might. Myopia is a condition, it's being nearsighted. And having a myopic worldview, this is a lack of foresight or a lack of insight to a bigger picture in this world. So we all start out like this in life. Our perspective is about us. Our world is about us. It's about our people, our friends, our school, you know, we're, our, our family, hopefully our church and our city, um, our people group, the people like us. It takes time and experience and maturity and a growing, maturing heart to start being global-minded. And that's what God calls us all to be. And so this is maturity. We're trying to grow out of myopia into global-mindedness. Why? Let me give you a few reasons why this is so important. Number one is, first and foremost, because we are image bearers. This is who we are, all of us humans. We're not like dogs and camels. We are humans. We are image bearers of a global-minded God. That's who he is, and we're made in his image. And everything is all about God. We're made in his image to bring him glory. And who is God? He is a missionary God. The living God is a missionary God. Jesus is the great global commissioner. The Holy Spirit is a missionary spirit. That's the work that he's doing in us, through us. As the Father sent the Son to purchase us and begin his mission, so the Son, Jesus, has sent us, his body, into the world. We've talked about this over the last few weeks. He has sent us into the world to, to be like, to be his hands and feet, to proclaim him, to bring his message of salvation and his good, good news and good works to the world. Where does the Bible say that, the, that, that God is a missionary God? Uh, this was the first sermon in the series. All of it. The entire Bible is the story that's still going on today that hasn't been completed yet. It's still unfolding of God's redemption of all the world. And we've talked about what is the world that God loves, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. And what did we say is the key word to understanding that in biblical terms? The nations, very good. God loves the nations. Over 3,000 times in the Bible, the nations are mentioned. Just God's heart is about the nations. Now, we've defined that nations is best understood by the word people groups, not by countries, and we're going to talk about that today specifically. The second reason we must be global-minded is because Jesus' commission is global-minded. I want you to just answer this question in your mind. What would be the impact of a local church really grasping this, all of us really grasping that the mission that we received with our salvation is global-minded? What's the impact of, of a whole church that grasps that? I think one, one passage that's critical in understanding that is Jesus had compassion for, for the people, for the masses of people who did not know him because, as he says, they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He, he had compassion on all the world. 
who didn't know him yet, remember what he said in Matthew. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So what's the impact of a church grasping Jesus' great commission? Well, the answer to that is the answer to Jesus' prayer. Jesus' prayer will be answered as we, his church, grasp his global-minded commission that we go out into the, into the field, into the harvest. We can be the answer to his prayer. Three, imagine there's about 300 people that call Community Grace their home church, plus anyone else listening here today. Welcome guests or anybody who will watch later online. That's what we want to do, answer Jesus' prayer by mobilizing all of us to be on his great commission. Let's review what Jesus' great commission is again. Remember, remember that the great commission is, is given by all four gospel writers and the book of Acts with a little bit of a different twist. So Jay Bell, who's, who's our mission consultant here this year, uh, and he preached here last, last Sunday, uh, he also teaches a couple classes at Lakeland Christian Academy. And he told me just this last week, um, he gave his students a task. It's to take the Great Commission statements in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts, each with their own little twist on it, and put it into one sentence. And they worked on it for however long that took the class to do it. And he was so pleased with their answer, and I'm so impressed by it, I wanted to share it this morning. This is what they came up with, and with the references. Okay, here's, this is from the class at Lakeland Christian Academy. The Great Commission, this is all of our lives and church's mission, is Christ sending us, that's John 20, into all the world, that's Acts 1.8, and we're going to look at that today, to make disciples of all nations, that's the Matthew passage, by proclaiming, that's the key word, just proclaiming, telling, telling the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mark and Luke focus on that. Pretty neat, huh? You did a good job. Jesus' focus has not changed in the last 2,000 years. This is still the mission that he commissions us. It's to the world. And we must become global-minded in order to do that. The third reason is because of Jesus' pattern. Jesus' pattern is global-minded. This is how he structured his word. In Acts 1.8 is a verse we're going to look at a little bit more closely today. It just, it's a flat-out statement of his pattern to think about the whole world. You say, yeah, you know, I have so much going on in my life right now, just managing my family, my job, all these crises that are happening to me, my health. Um, I totally get that, and God and Jesus, and the Holy, Jesus Holy Spirit is right there with you in all of that. But in all of that, he just wants you to be like him and, and have the mind that he has of compassion and concern and support for his mission, so that all the peoples in the world can be set free from the gospel just like we have. And he uses the pain and the crises and the work and the neighborhoods and the jobs and the pressures in your life to do that, to do that through you. So let's really pray for an open heart right now as we look at Acts 1-8, how you and I and my family members all have a unique part in his mission. Acts 1-8 is Jesus' last recorded words on earth. And in it, he explains how we should be living the mission. This is Jesus' four-direction pattern. 
four different directions, and it's on your notes. There's the, the chart there, the graphic. And this is the way that we bring God's love to the entire world, right here, this pattern. This is the epitome of global thinking, global thinking. All right, so he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that happened 50 days later when in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit came on everybody at Pentecost, and he's been with us and in us ever since to power us. Why? To be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit gives us power to, to overcome everything in our lives, every problem in our lives, so that we can be Jesus' witnesses. That's pretty awesome. Now, here's the pattern. In Jerusalem, that's your own city. In Judea, that's your own bigger region. And Samaria, we're going to define these things. They're on your chart if you have, a, if you have your bulletin notes. And then to the ends of the earth. Jesus tells us, the Holy Spirit's in us, and we need to be like him and think of the whole world in, in the decisions that we make, the heart that we have, our prayers, what we're into. No more myopia, only thinking about ourselves and our little, little bubble, our little people group. He wants us to be like him and see the world and, and, and discover how he's calling us to have an impact in this world with compassion and love that brings the good news. Everywhere we go, all the time. Here's the pattern. So we're looking at the graphic, and this is from Jay's notes last week, and I want to use it for today. There it is. And here's how we're, here, we're going to break this down a little bit more today. On, the, on your notes, circle, if you have your pen, circle the first two on the left, Jerusalem and Judea. Here's the mastermind of, of Jesus' pattern here. These first two are our people group, people who are in our culture, they speak our language, we get them, they get us. And then our people near here that are in, live in Warsaw and our people that are far away, like friends from Washington State, for instance. I have one of those here. We share the same language, we understand the same kind of culture. How do we proclaim Jesus to them? It's called evangelism. We tell, the good, we tell about Jesus. We just, we just tell. This is the hope that we have. Okay, so here's what I have. This is what we want to achieve. This is a bag. Very good. Yes, thank you. Now, pretend that this bag is full of seeds, just filled. See why I'm, we're just pretending here? I don't want to make a mess. Let's say this is filled with gospel seed. The Bible uses the planting metaphor. We plant, we just tell, we plant. We plant, we water, who makes it grow? God, that's right, the pressure's not on us to save anybody. Okay, we just plant seeds. Now, this is filled with gospel seeds. Let's say the gospel seeds are every conversation, or every just mention of Jesus. Every time we glorify God, uh, Monday, you know, Sunday through Saturday, let's say all seven days of the week, we're out and about, we're, as we're going, as we go and make disciples. So every conversation that we have, and we've talked about this over the last week, few weeks, we had a couple occasions where, remember, we go to the store at the checkout line, and, and what do we say to people? God loves you. It takes less than two seconds. Now, our family's been, I, I hope you guys have been trying this, practicing this, just getting comfortable planting gospel seed. That's what we're called to do. The Holy Spirit is giving us power to do that. We got a bag full of gospel seed. Just imagine that if there's 300 people in this church in Warsaw or the surrounding areas, whatever city you live in, 
every day, all 300 of us say God loves you or something about our faith, just once a day, six days a week, times 300 once a day, you're going to have thousands of gospel seeds planted all over the Warsaw area. Just imagine that. So simple, so powerful, so revolutionary to a community. Now imagine all the Christians from all the churches here are doing that every day all throughout the day. It's amazing. So I have this bag to show you what Jesus wants from us as we go about our lives in our Jerusalem, and that is to take this bag and explode it. Every, see why I didn't use real seeds? <laughs> Boom! His gospel is being planted everywhere we go. So I point to this. It says, therefore, go. You, uh, you've heard me say in the Greek, it's literally as you are going. That's the challenging thing about the English translation. As you are going, make disciples of all nations. And so we say God loves you, Jesus loves you, or just talk about Jesus to, to everybody we know, come in contact with, whether it's at school or at work, your neighborhood or cashiers, um, and always ready if somebody expresses interest, then we can talk more. That's what Jesus wants. That's what the Holy Spirit empowers us for. Now, remember what we've been saying, just start with God loves you, God loves you. Uh, several days ago, I posted on Facebook a post, a, a gospel presentation, and then I asked the question, just for anybody to answer, who told you about the gospel? And several of you actually replied to that, and, that, and I appreciate that. That was really fun. I hope you can read this. This is a little screenshot of one of the comments here, and I want, this is Lindsay right there in the middle where the arrow is, is an old military friend and, um, that we met in Washington State. Just look what she says. She said, a friend in Japan, I'll never forget her words and how they shocked me. God loves you. Same three words we've been practicing. Changed a life. Saved a life. Right there it is. That's exciting. Now imagining all of 300 of us just doing that all the time, like it's breathing air. Planting seeds, see what God does with it. And he does amazing things through our obedience. That's the fruit of obeying Jesus. I hope that's exciting to you and that we do more and more of it. Now, to be clear, Jesus' commission is to make disciples of all nations, not to make decisions. So we can't just spread gospel seeds, somebody trusts Christ, hey, great, praise God, and then forget about them, right? The commission is then to baptize them and then to learn together, to teach them all that Jesus has commanded. That's a lifelong endeavor. And so discipleship is a lifetime of growth as we connect with each other in the church or in our neighborhoods if people aren't ready to come to church yet. So how do you make disciples of nations? By making disciples in the nations. So men, we are called to disciple the younger men and boys in our lives, in our church. Are you? Parents, the Bible's very clear, disciple your kids or grandkids all throughout the day, every day. Are you? Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Uh, youth and children's ministries, when the kids are in the church, our leaders here are doing a great job. I just want to thank them publicly for that. I see great things with discipleship here. And women. Our women are doing this. Our Women of Worth Discipleship is about to launch. I see some of the leaders of that in here this morning. Thank you so much. 
for the great work that you're doing that. I'm going to play a short video well, that they've provided, and I'm just going to ask all the women to pray during this two-minute video how God might have you respond. Let's watch. Hi, I'm Jan Salzgiver, and I'd like to talk a little about what it is to be a mentor. Um, I can't say that I've been officially mentored myself, uh, but I will say mentoring has been an awesome opportunity in my life to be involved in women's lives. Um, I would say part of the impact that has been in my life is it has established some friendships that will last forever. Even though we don't see each other, we will have that sweet established friendship. Um, it has been a personal growth time in my own life, watching God work in me as I help another lady walk through life, but also how the Holy Spirit has grown both of us in uh, just normal life routines and normal life circumstances. Um, I've learned very much that it is not about me. It's all about what God wants to do in the life of that lady as well as myself in the whole process of walking life's journey together and watching how his um, design and his purposes are uh, just laid out and watching that happen. Uh, I also have learned that it is a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of time. It's a sacrifice of love. And sometimes it's a sacrifice of just um, a relationship in learning how to relate to this lady that maybe I've never known before. But I will tell you, it's always worth the sacrifice. Always worth the sacrifice. Um, sometimes people will ask, why do I need to get involved? I mean, why mentoring? Um, I would say it's because it's a God-designed uh, opportunity. Um, in scripture, he has it set up for the older women to teach the younger women. Uh, iron sharpens iron. All those principles in life are a part of God's design for us to relate to one another. And so that's why you get involved because it's a God design. And as you see there, there is a table to get connected, to get information out in the foyer. We're walking with Jesus. We're walking with each other. I love what Jan said. The routines of life. Here's what discipleship is. Opening the word to see how it speaks into the routines in life. The things that are going on in your life. And if you've ever had that in your life, then you can probably attest that it was through those relationships that you grew the most. Whether you're the discipler or the disciplee. This is Jesus' mission for the world. Evangelism, discipleship, make disciples. Now, circle on your notes the second two on that four pattern chart. Samaria and the ends of the earth. Here's where we get into cross-cultural stuff. The first two, remember, are the people who talk like us and have the same culture, and we don't really have to learn a new culture, a new language to tell them about Jesus, to, to walk with them in the word. But it's a great big world filled with lots of people who need Jesus. So we get to these two. This is other people groups who speak a different language, who have much different cultural values and practices than we do. We have the same great pro message to proclaim to them. Jesus, Jesus. He brings life. He's what you need. But different techniques, different language, different cultures. And so when we talk about missions, this is what we're talking about. All of us are missionaries. We're all sent ones. But some will go cross-cultural. 
and have to learn some other cultural principles and practices, maybe learn a language or two to introduce people to Jesus. And I'm thrilled today to talk about, to introduce you to a, um, to a season of prayer, begin a season of prayer for a new strategic global mission focus for Warsaw Community Grace. I'm going to talk about this with the rest of my time here this morning, and we're going to launch a season of four more months in the year, about three and a half months left in this year, of prayer for God's direction uh, regarding what I'm about to introduce you to right now. So on on your chart, on your pattern, put an extra circle on the ends of the earth, one on that fourth arrow, put an extra circle around it, and a star. This is what we're focusing on now with the rest of our time here, the ends of the earth. Trust me. As I've already said, there is a place for you. God has called you. He's, when he gave you your salvation, he's called you to have some kind of a place to be global-minded in the world beyond Warsaw. Now it's the joy of discovering what it is and how you can be involved in this. The nations need the gospel. We all need to get it there. How will you be involved? Let's talk about this. Okay, for that, I introduce you to point number one under Jesus' pattern on your notes And we're going to look at the patterns end. The patterns end. That's unreached people groups. What did Jesus mean when he said, reach all nations? This is the mission that he gave you, reach all nations. Well, what does that mean? Remember, when we hear nations, we shouldn't think of the word countries. There's only a couple hundred of those. There's a lot more nations. People groups is the better word to understand Jesus' meaning behind when he says nations. Okay, so here's the definition of people groups. It's very simple. A group of people with their own language and culture. There's lots of those. We learned a few weeks ago that from the original 70 people groups after the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11, remember that? When God scattered, there were 70 people groups. Now, over just the natural course of time, multiplying, moving apart, developing your own culture, now there are 17,406 people groups in the world that are counted. What an exciting time we live in in the world when we can count such things. 17,406 people groups in the world. Here's an illustration just, I think, that will help. This is the, uh, the country, or some people say the nation, of Nigeria in Africa. One nation, one country. But now look at the second picture according to the definition that Jesus uses when he says nations, people groups. And you see that there are more than 500 people groups in the one nation, in the one country of Nigeria. Big difference, isn't there? That's been a helpful graphic to understand the concept of reach all the nations. Now, in Nigeria, about 50% of the country is Christian. Uh, So there's a lot of those people groups that are already reached, but there's a lot that are not yet. And so they need a work of the gospel to jump cross-cultural borders. That's what we call missionaries and missions efforts, things that we support, to the unreached people groups. So let let me define unreached people groups. What makes a people group unreached? In Christian terms, the definition is those groups in which there is no indigenous growing church that can offer the gospel to its people. So once there's a, a... self-replicating church presence in a people group like there is in ours, then we say, that's been reached. They can reach their own people. 
If there's not, then they need cross-cultural people to go in and proclaim good news through Jesus, salvation. So the pattern's end of Jesus' Great Commission is that all the remaining unreached people groups have the chance to receive him. And that happens through his church, through his body, out in the world, simply obeying his mission. Pretty cool, right? All right, that's a, that's a glorious worldwide thing we get to be a part of. It honors God, and it's very good for us as well. But that's our next point, is the task remaining. The task, what is the task remaining for the whole world to know Jesus? The task remaining, is, that's an exciting topic because for the first time in history, the task remaining, the, the fulfillment of Jesus' great commission is measurable. We can tell there's approximately 7,400 unreached people groups still remaining. 7,400. The problem with that is that's still 2 billion people, more than 2 billion people cut off from hearing the gospel. Is our work finished yet, church? No, it's not. So what's God going to call this local church to do? Well, first, let me, let me read this quote from Ralph Winter that explains how this is possible and shows the great need for churches to go cross-cultural. Listen to this quote, and, and I think that you're really going to understand these critical missions principles. All right. This is a, the great missiologist, Ralph Winter. He says this. The fact is that the gospel often expands within a community, but does not normally jump across boundaries between people groups. If all the members of every church in the world were to bring every one of their friends and relatives within the same cultural group to obedient faith in Christ, no matter how much time you allow, there would still be billions who would never come to faith. One third of the individuals in the world live within peoples with no church. They are no more spiritually lost than your cousin who has never gone to church. But unlike your cousin, there is no church made up of people like themselves with whom they can hear the gospel. Does that make sense? And so we make disciples among ourselves? Absolutely. And we go and send and support efforts to go cross-cultural. And we all have a part in it, and that's what I'm going to finish with today. Point two in your notes is we can all do global outreach. We can all do global outreach. All of us, that's the goal. 300 of Community Grace presently, plus anyone else listening today, we're all, we're all on the same team. We all need to be on board. And we can do it by four exciting ways. First is by prayer. I, mean, I heard somebody make this profound statement. He said, I used to say, I'll pray for you, it's the least I can do. And then I realized as I studied the word, no, I'll pray for you, it's the most I can do. That's what the Bible teaches Prayer is the most we can do. It's the most powerful thing. It causes God, the King of Kings, to move when we pray. So you think, well, if that, I mean, that sounds easy. Anybody can pray, but guess what? Guess what the smallest meetings are in a church? The prayer meeting. Yeah, it's not hard, but we need to do it. And when we pray, God moves. Remember Jesus' prayer. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into the harvest. And when we pray, he will. And the important thing about praying for the unreached people groups is, by definition, no one else is praying for them. You understand? No one's praying for, the, for each other inside of an unreached people group. So we have to pray for 
the unreached peoples of the world. And let's be a praying church. That's where power is. That's where our lives change, too, is when we pray. So come to Wednesday night prayer meetings, prayer hours every first and third Wednesday night. I challenge you to come to at least one, but always be in prayer and add, just add the nations on your prayer apps. Any, you can always add a little widget on the unreached peoples of the world. Just pray. Pray for the world. Pray for the nations among us and out to the ends of the earth and for our missionaries. Next is by people. And everyone, everyone can either be a sender or a goer. Sender or a goer. Don't be neither. Be a sender or a goer cross-culturally. Our staff and our vision team are working right now on developing a mission pipeline that, that brings a kind of a cohesion to, to all the mission's efforts, our ministries and our small groups uh, and our families are all doing. We're going to bring it all together into a pipeline uh, that gets us all a place to engage in the Great Commission. And so that's exciting. Uh, we're doing that. There's a lot going on, and we're going to tie it all together. But everyone can be involved, all people. All right, third is after people is resources. The first there is money. Yes, it takes money to reach all the world with the gospel. It takes money to get there and to support that work. So we have the chili cook-off and auction next Sunday. Again, bring your checkbooks and cash next Sunday. It's going to be a great time, and you can flat out support the mission through the, what this church is doing. That's next Sunday. Okay, lots of other resources, though. I'm going to read you this list. Just imagine, just let the Holy Spirit prick your heart on the kind of resources that you have. Other resources needed to bring the nations the gospel. Education, church leader training, construction, medical work, leadership, research, grant writing, farming strategies. Oh yeah, child adoption. Uh, SD cards loaded with written and audio scripture and Bible teachings in native languages. You know what? Even in the poorest countries in the world, everybody's got a cell phone. And this is huge. This is huge in the, in the worldwide mission to send... Thousands of these SD cards that have audio Bibles and audio teachings on them in, in, in illiter mostly illiterate uh, people groups. It's working. It's happening. All these resources, Bible translation, Christian literature, internet, radio, satellite technology, the, the list goes on and on and on. Everything that, you're, that you have a skills set in can be used to further the gospel to the nations. So we mobilize all the resources that are needed. That's, that's the casting crowns that we get to do here in this life. Uh, with what God has given us, we cast back on his mission. And then, fourth is by strategy. That includes adopting an unreached people group. How many, here's a little quiz, how many uh, unreached people groups did I say there are left in the world? 7,400-ish. It's always morphing and changing. 7,400. Here's the thinking behind this approach that's been very effective in the last 30 years especially. 7,400 unreached people groups left. There's about 2 to 3 million churches in the world. If enough of those local churches adopt one of the 7,400 unreached people groups and pours a concerted prayer and concentrated efforts and support and partnerships on the ground and short-term and long-term and career missionaries into those unreached peoples, then the fulfillment of, of Jesus' great commission is within sight. That's the general thinking of adopting an unreached people group. Another illustration that helpfully explains how a church can be involved in this is this picture here, the over-under gun. How many people have an over-under gun? Anybody? I'm in Indiana, I figure somebody does. All right, at least one hand. 
Okay, so an over-under gun, this is cool, I'd love to get one, uh, has a rifle barrel and chamber and a shotgun barrel and chamber, or just two different calibers um, for variety. One gun, you can hunt anything. Um, here's how that works with missions. The traditional way to support missionaries is to scatter. We have, this church has more than a dozen missionaries kind of scattered all over the place. But do we, brothers and sisters, think about them all the time? Or do we think about them, if you're on their email list, every once in a while when you read their email, if you're not on their email list, you think about them once every three or four years when they come back with a slideshow, right? So as far as the church interaction involvement is concerned, it's a wide-reaching strategy, but like a shotgun, it doesn't penetrate very deep as far as the church is concerned. But a rifle, if you adopt one of the unreached people groups, now you're pouring, this is who we are. We've got the decorations. We ask every small group to add this to your prayer list. Pray, pray for this nation. Pray for this. We're talking, we add in our mission pipeline, trips there. We celebrate that. We have guest speakers and themes. That's what it is to have a rifle, a long, deep, penetrating concentration on one of the... This is a great, great strategy, and I'm going to say more about it. Uh, in doing that, there's something for every person, every family, every small group, every ministry to be involved in. There's a shared excitement. There's a unity on that. And everybody's got a chance to do something. Now, what that does, this is what the... Okay, I just, have to, I just have to tell you this. Uh, I'm going to get it a little out of order here, but I'm, this is the time to tell you this. Who am I as a pastor? Uh, some of you know this. Most of you don't. You all need to know this. I was a, an associate pastor for 15 years in Tacoma, Washington, before I came, before God moved us here 20 months ago. The last 10 years of that time, I oversaw this effort, adopting an unreached people group, the Tamajic Tuareg people of West Africa, uh, and I'm going to say more about that in a little bit. Um, this was one of the deepest passions of my life for 10 years, and we did this exact thing. When we learned this strategy, we were told, people are going to wonder, doesn't this detract from all the other missionaries that you support if you give some extra focus to this people group? And that's a concern. But here's how it plays out. This is what we were told, and this is exactly how it played out over those 10 years as this unfolded. By having a, something, a constant engagement where everybody's involved in something, you know what happens? It's kind of counterintuitive, but it makes sense. People become more mission-minded. And the amount of support and prayer and encouragement, all the other missionaries, increases multiple times. Then people start thinking, well, I need to do this in my own neighborhood. And we start reaching our own neighborhoods and schools because we become mission-minded people from this strategy. So in adopting an unreached people group, the nations get the gospel. The church here, the people here get spiritual growth like never before, and God gets the glory for it all. And for the last 10 years that we were in Washington, this was one of the most satisfying parts of um, my personal ministry now, having said that, check this out. I've been eager to tell you this story. Today we're going to launch a four-month season of prayer on God's leading to what it seems he's already been leading us clearly to, a connection with the Fulani people of Central African Republic. There's their flag right there. We have a flag right there because these are the places we already have partners on the ground in other nations. Okay, so we already have partners and a presence 
in Central African Republic, CAR. So let me just tell you a little bit about the Fulani and about CAR. I just got done saying I have a huge heart and led a church to have a heart for the Tamajic people of West Africa. You know who the Tamajic people are? If, if you're wa ever watching a movie with the Sahara Desert in it, um, they're, the, they're the ones in the blue outfits riding camels. They're camel herdsmen, nomadic, all throughout the sub-Saharan and Sahara Desert. They, I mean, I've been over there a couple times, poured my life into them, have met many of them, have done some serious celebrating with them. While I was over there, one of the closest people groups to the Tamajic people just happens to be the Fulani people. They're like cousins, we might say. So this next picture is me and Sarah on the left uh, having tea for hours and hours with Tamajic and Fulani people. The guys on the right, I took that picture, um, again, hours with the three cups of tea ceremony. They do that in, in a lot of the world, if you've ever heard of that. And we just talk and talk. Okay, so I know missionaries who have given their lives to reach the Fulanis. The Fulani people are, are fascinating. You see them on the news here, usually as the rebel gunmen who do all the kidnapping. And um, there is some of that. There's no doubt. There's some angst, as there is in much of the world among them. Their religion is animism. It's folk, folk Islam. There's very few Christians among them, 0.2%. They are almost entirely unreached. The Central African Republic, i just say a note about that, is in the, the bottom tip of the 1040 window. If we're talking missions, you've got it global-minded. You've got to know what the 1040 window is. That's the longitude and latitude lines on a map. In this area, the vast majority of unreached people groups live. And you can see the continents and the countries that spans. The people that live in the 1040 window, those nations are heavily populated, usually extreme poverty, and very hard to reach with the gospel because they're closed off to outsiders. Another way to say it is the easy fruit in the global mission has already been picked. Now the church needs to go to the hard places. And praise God, that's what he's calling this church to do. Why the Fulani? Why, what's the connection for this church? We have partners there already. Here's a picture of Three Strands website. Some of you, this is starting to sound familiar. Maybe you don't know about this. Uh, this is one of our mission partners in Central African Republic. It's a medical and gospel uh, compound and ministry there uh, just outside of Bangui, the, uh, the capital city in CAR. And if that looks familiar, it's because our own Mike and Myra Taylor, Mike's the CEO of, of the organization, and they've spent years over there. They live here and attend the church here. He's a physician's assistant at uh, Medstat. And uh, also Heidi Sisson, another one of our supportive missionaries, lives in Indianapolis now, but was in Central African Republic for a long time. They all go back and forth. Uh, the Taylors are going back in November. I would like to take a trip over there sometime. It's Kind of a crazy time to uh, travel internationally right now. Um, one of our elders, Matt Starrett, has been over there visiting. Has anybody else been to Central African Republic here? I see one hand. Have you really? I didn't know that. That's really cool. We already have partners on the ground here, and here is the kicker. Here I come from Washington State to this church. Awesome. I was talking to Mike Taylor one time, and he, just getting to know him. 
He's telling telling me about Three Strands, Central African Republic, and he made this statement. He said, Reg, the reason we do what we do over there is because of our heart for the Fulani people. I said, what? The Fulani people? I know the Fulani people. I've had all these experiences with the Fulani people. What, what is God doing? I moved, I moved to a different church wondering, would he ever use that, that whole, all that 10 years of, of experience and the heart for, for missions? Would, would he use that at this church? And this is all the, the, the time I have this morning to tell the story. There's a lot more to it. But suffice to say, I'm launching today, four months, season of prayer. Would you join us to see how God would possibly connect this church with some strategic mission focuses among the unreached people groups? And I'll tell you, if as we go forward with this kind of a thing and have a constant global mind as God is global-minded and as the Holy Spirit has, has indwelt us to have the same mind of Christ, we're going to find ourselves growing a whole lot more like Christ. Mission, a whole lot more effective here in Warsaw. And mission is the lifeblood of the church. This church is going to grow in all good ways as we have this global-minded heart like God does. That's my prayer. That's our prayer. I pray that everyone will be involved in this. We're not going to rush into anything. Uh, another, another missionary partner is in Compass. I don't know if they already passed that. There we go. Our fellowship, the Caris Fellowship, has a mission agency. It's Encompass, and Dave Giles is the president of that. He's going to be preaching next week. And uh, we've already emailed a little bit. We're going to have a longer conversation next week about some of the other things Encompass has in, in CAR. It's time to be excited. But it's time to bring the entire church family in prayer. Let me give you three next steps today. One is be certain of your own salvation. If you're here and you haven't trusted Jesus as your Savior, don't be dead and lost and condemned before a holy God any longer, spiritually dead, just lost, trying to figure life out, trying to worship yourself. It just doesn't work. And I hope that God has made that clear, that that isn't the best for you, but Jesus is. We call on Jesus today. Today could be the day of your salvation. If you're ready to do that, I encourage you to mark that on that communication card that you have or yeah, just do that, and we'll follow up with you happily. Second is to commit and, and commit to pray and dream of your part. God can do amazing things. You may not believe that or think that right now. Whatever your situation in life, he can use you in the greatest of ways. And we're going to go into the future doing that. But would you commit to pray and dream of what you have, the crowns that you can cast before the Lord? from Warsaw to the ends of the earth. And third is look for a cross-cultural trip or experience. As we develop that mission pipeline, we have, we're going to have lots of ideas, the, the um, momentum ministry partners for the kids and all things for the little kids and the adults, lots of different things. We have a goal to send 50 people on short-term, mid-term, or career missionaries in the next five years. So who will be among us? Who might God be calling? Take a trip. Get some experience. Support a new missionary. Adopt a missionary. See what God does. Let's pray now and prepare our hearts for the bread and the cup as we do. Lord, we close with, I, I pray, a renewed sense of excitement and calling 
each and every one of us. Lord, I pray that you'll meet every, every heart here and help them see the answer to, well, what can I do? Or I'm just overwhelmed with everything else. Lord, I pray that you'll help them see how they can use all that overwhelmed pressure and stress in their lives to bless other people. That sets them free and us free and gives you the glory in that whole holy process. Lord, Spirit, Holy Spirit, work your, your greatest power in us today. And, and now as we just have the ability to stop and join literally all of the Christian globe in the observance of the bread and the cup, I pray that we feel that power and that the nations will come to Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.